Hello, I'm Mark Sweeney, and on this episode of On the Gun, we'll be helping round out coverage of, on the occasion of its 25th anniversary, the 1992 DC Comics crossover event, Eclipso, The Darkness Within. I've teamed up with a few other brave souls in the comics, blogging, and podcasting community to look at this series, which ran through an opening kickoff special, Eclipso, The Darkness Within, number one, then ran through the line Summer Annuals, this episode, I'll be taking a look at the bookend finale, Eclipso, The Darkness Within, number two, cover dated October 1992. And I'm very pleased to have on the show, helping shed some light on the darkness within, from one of my favorite blogs, Chris is on Infinite Earths, and co-host of the Cosmic Treadmill podcast, Chris Sheehan. Chris, how are you? Hey, hey, how are you? Thanks for having me on. Hey, no problem, no problem. Uh, I'm glad you wanted to come aboard, talk a little Eclipso. Anytime. I really enjoy reading your blog. You're kind of all over the place in DC history there. and Thank you. Uh, I like that because I'm a little bit all over the place here too. Um, <laughs> and I wanted to publicly compliment you on your long run of daily posts. I, <laughs> I do not know how you do it. I was it's thinking... a, a dash of insanity, a little bit of obsession, <laughs> uh, right. and a very patient wife. Uh, <laughs> That's key. That is key. I know. <laughs> Yes, that might be the most important ingredient. Uh, I'm just a, I'm just a hair under 500 uh, wow. daily posts. So. That many, huh? Yeah, we're we're getting there. I was thinking maybe there were like 24, 25 hours in the day <laughs> where you were. <laughs> I wish, I wish. Uh, but we've got a big issue to tackle here. I kind of want to mm-hmm. get right into it. But first, I thought I'd ask you about your history with the Eclipso character, or this event in particular, if any. Sir. Sure. Uh, is this is this something you bought off the shelves at the time? Uh, part of it, yeah. I, uh, I, this was 92, so this is when I was really starting to like spread my wings as a comic fan. I uh, I came in through, uh, of all things, ElfQuest. <laughs> that, was, um, that was my gateway drug to, to a comic book store because you couldn't find them on a, uh, on a rack. Yeah. And uh, from there, I fell in love with the X-Men, and, and I think I hit it just the right time where the X-Men were kind of exploding and giving us a nice uh, bunch of new number ones and key issues and not so uh yes. i had uh i had jumped into that and around 92 was when i uh i, I realized there was another side of the table and uh, there were dc comics there right and uh and you know i'd be lying if i said speculation didn't have anything to do with it <laughs> or but, a plastic, uh, little plastic gem maybe <laughs> <laughs> yes that, that indents the book that's in front of it oh. uh, but uh it, it was part that for sure yeah. and uh like uh, the one, like the issue that really got me into it was the Robin Annual number one because it was it was a number one and it was the new Robin and it was a big deal. Okay. Yeah. And uh, but if anything, I think uh, this storyline hitting when it did uh, really uh, inflated what I thought of Eclipso. I, I thought he was a much bigger player in the in the DC universe than he. Uh, than he might actually be. Yeah, well, up to the, up to this point, I think this this series was definitely a game changer for the character, no doubt. Uh, I first met Eclipso in the the very first issue of Who's Who that I bought. He featured pretty prominently on the I remember on the back cover, and a uh, really great Dave Gibbons illustration on the inside. Um, and I have to say that this event, for me. Uh, it's pretty important. It's the first if DC event that I was able to come in on on the ground floor. I was there for the kind of the tail end of Crisis. I think the first issue I got of that was number eight. 
Um, but then I left comics for a while and came back very early 90s, Armageddon 2001. I was able to actually grab an issue of that, but the first issue of that I got was the finale, number two. <laughs> <laughs> so those infamous spoilers, they didn't really have any effect on me. <laughs> I just thought it was a great story. <laughs> uh, but for Eclipso, yeah, I'd seen the house ad. Uh, this is right before I got a job, and so I was starting to get some money I could sort of spend at the comic shop on my own. And uh, I'd seen the house ad, and I bought the first issue with that plastic gem on the cover. <laughs> yes. And uh, followed along with a, a few handful, handful of those annuals uh, throughout the whole summer. That was a sort of a magical summer for me. And uh, I was right here for this this issue, the conclusion. And so I was, I was pretty invested in it, I have to say. And, f- and from here on out, from 92 on, uh, I was there for every DC event. Mm. For better or for worse? For better or for worse. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right, so I think uh, before we dive into the issue, uh, maybe we should just give a little recap of the event so far. Sure. You know, we pretty much learned throughout this series that we've had Eclipso wrong. You know, he wasn't the cool but pretty much run-of-the-mill supervillain that was introduced back in the early 60s in House of Secrets. And back then he had a pretty neat gimmick. He was the title star of his own feature in House of Secrets, mm-hmm. but he was the bad guy. Yeah. yeah and, that, and that was unusual. And the antagonist was the hero. And in this hmm. case, it just happened to be his alter ego, Dr. Bruce Gordon, solar scientist. And that was a little odd. <laughs> uh, basically, whenever there was an eclipse, Bruce Gordon, in possession of a strange black gemstone, would turn into Eclipso. Uh, but during the down times, Gordon would search for ways to, to defeat his alter ego. Kind of a Jekyll and Hyde situation. Absolutely. And uh, the character, he took on a variety of superheroes over the years. I was kind of surprised, kind of going through his adventures. He fought the JLA, Green Lantern, uh, even the Metal Men. Uh, but beginning here, in Eclipse of the Darkness Within number one, we learn that there's something more to, to old Moonface. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's less of a supervillain, more of a force of nature. Something kind of on a biblical scale. He's a god of vengeance who, at some point in the distant past, had his essence, I guess, trapped in a giant black gem, a big old hunk of rock that was, in the 19th century, cut into a thousand perfect little pieces. And it was one of these gems that had found its way into Bruce Gordon's hands and forced him to change into what we, what was only an aspect of the true Eclipso. While most of Eclipso's power was tied up in these thousand gems, the the being himself, I guess we can call him Eclipso Prime, had been physically banished to the dark side of the moon where he lives in a giant black diamond palace hidden inside some deep crater. Mm. And so by 1992, Eclipso's getting a little bored with his banishment and he's been formulating a plan to somehow reunite the thousand black gems and thereby releasing his essence and he'll be free to wreak vengeance on the earth in response to his long imprisonment and it just so happens that around this time the the unlucky daxamite superhero and space explorer largand was just out checking out checking out the moon he found eclipso's palace and got himself into a whole heap of trouble 
<laughs> the way the gemstones work is they respond to anger. And when Largan just stepped, set foot in the palace, snooping around, he found out that the palace was really just one big black diamond. And he was immediately susceptible to possession by Eclipso. It seems to come across as something of a surprise to Eclipso himself, something he never tried before. He'd been toying around with one guy on Earth, Bruce Gordon, this whole time. Uh, but I guess it just never occurred to him to try to possess someone with superpowers. And this is kind of the hook of the whole series. Throughout the annuals, Eclipso attempts to and succeeds in manipulating gemstones into the hands of various superheroes, supervillains, supporting characters. And he gets a hold of some biggies. He sure does. <laughs> Green Lantern, <laughs> The Flash, Wonder Woman, uh, even Superman for a short time. For a brief time, yeah. yeah. So, and the characters that Clipso does manage to keep hold of, he's been secreting away, kind of gathering them in darkness, hiding them from the daylight, which is Eclipso's only true weakness. Mm. Um, exposure to solar energy will actually knock the Eclipso right out of anyone that's possessed. And that kind of brings us to the beginning of this issue. Dozens of possessed Eclipsos have made their way to a giant crater in Arizona. Do you have any giant craters out near you? <laughs> <laughs> We, we we have one crater. Uh, it's actually uh, past around Winslow. There's oh, really? a uh, giant crater where uh, where I guess we were struck by some sort of a uh, space stone. Uh-huh. And uh, I remember telling a friend that, and this was thousands of years ago, clearly. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I told him about it, and he goes, "Right there by the freeway." <laughs> <laughs> and I had to explain to him that there was no freeway a thousand years ago. <laughs> Yeah, that's a more recent uh, development. <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. <laughs> yeah. But at this cra- crater, this the, the site of this crater, there's to be, I guess, a great vantage point for a complete solar eclipse. And this is this is what Eclipse has been waiting for. It all seems to be part of his grand scheme. And so does possibly the group of heroes that have arrived at the crater. They've been gathering in the previous couple of annuals chapters to stop Eclipso's grand scheme. And that's where yeah, they they've start. mentioned they've mentioned the full eclipse throughout a few of these a uh, few of the annual tie-ins. Uh-huh. And uh, this is the uh, this is where it's going to go down. And the culmination. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> so the uh, title of this finale is Brilliant Men, and it's by co-plotters Keith Giffen and Robert Lauren Fleming. And this is material pretty far removed for their other collaboration that I think of when I think of these two. Uh, ambush bug. Ambush bug, yeah. <laughs> he will not be putting an interference here. <laughs> no. Uh, and uh, Keith Giffen is further credited as breakdown artist and uh, Fleming as the scripter. Mm. It's penciled mostly by Bart Sears and there's three inkers credited, Mark Pennington, Randy Elliott, and Ray Crissing. The lettering is by Gaspar, colors by Tom McCraw, and it's edited by Eddie Braganza and Michael Yuri. The uh, cover by Bart Sears and Mark Pennington shows Eclipso in all his glory, <laughs> enthroned, and surrounded by dozens of his best friends. Uh, the Eclipse bodies of uh, heroes and villains and things that he's he's possessed of. Um, including some that he hasn't. Including which, some. Uh, which would make you really uh, interested in picking this one up. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. That's a good point. At least he had, they hadn't been eclipsed yet. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> 
Uh, it's funny, I had his feet there, possessed uh, a possessed black canary, stealth, and starfire kind of do their best Princess Leia in Jabba's palace impression. Definitely. <laughs> uh, and as the big guy is saying there on the cover, ready or not, here we come. Um, so do you like this cover? you think it's a, a, a grabber? I do. It's a, and I'm glad that there's no big plastic uh, chunk of diamond in it. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's a very striking cover. It's a, it's a, you know, it's, it's full but not crowded. If that makes any sense. I That's mean, there's true. a lot going on, but it's a, you can, you can, it, it's all situated very nicely. That's true. Yeah, and you can pick out. You know, you you can see those individual characters. Definitely, there's no sort of random random people there. Yeah, they all have identities. Uh, and I like that Eclipso is kind of off-center. I don't know why, but that <laughs> I kind of dig that. Yeah, no, that's true. I think had he been center, probably would have been just a little bit more boring. A little too symmetric, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's definitely that's a good point. It looks cool, I think, that way. And I love that um, you see it in the comic, too, but his uh, word bubbles sort of have that purple The halo, ridge, yeah. Uh, which I don't think... I could reproduce, but you sort of know what that sounds like in your mind, you know? <laughs> uh, so the story proper opens in uh, said Arizona crater moments before a solar eclipse. A horde of eclipsed heroes, villains, and others have gathered here, including the bodies of Green Lantern, Flash, Wonder Woman, Lady Quark, Deathstroke, Maxima, and others. They're confronted by an assortment of heroes who have tracked the group here. This group of heroes is under the leadership of Vril Dox of Legion. That's L-E-G-I-O-N. Is he always this terrible? <laughs> I, I, you and I have spoken off the air. I, I, I have very little Legion experience as one of the franchises I'm trying to educate myself on. Yeah. Is, is Vril always this uh, irascible? He is, and that's what <laughs> I love about him. <laughs> He definitely is, yeah. Uh, one of his better qualities. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and uh, it's he and Hawkman that are leading this group of uh, that includes several members of the Justice League, Nightwing, and uh, Wildebeest from the Titans. Oh boy! And the balance of Dox's uh, Legion command team. <laughs> so the groups exchange a couple of threatening remarks. Uh, the Eclipso possessed all speak in Eclipso's voice, and with those those purple word purple haloed word bubbles uh i think it's a really effective way to to relate that creepy voice oh certainly and uh before the assembled heroes can make a move the moon that's the this is the moment where the moon moves in front of the sun it's time for the the solar eclipse this is the exact phenomenon that eclipso has been waiting for a giant purple beam shoots down to earth from the moon the beam is actually speaking with eclipso's voice calls it a tunnel of utter darkness where Eclipso's power reigns supreme. And the beam strikes the crater, and one of the heroes, Starman, seems incredibly well-informed <laughs> and uh, correctly assumes that the beam is transporting the possessed to the moon. And that's exactly what happens. The mm -hmm. giant beam sucks the Eclipso horde to the giant purple palace on the moon, leaving nothing back in Arizona in that crater except for a few wisps of smoke. And the remaining group of heroes feeling, as Nightwing declares, outclassed. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it was uh, really good to uh, to have Starman seem a little bit more uh, in the know, uh, considering the uh, 
the four issues that ended his his series right. where he faced off with Eclipso and you know sort of kind of knew about the moon yeah 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 he was the last hero to fight Eclipso before this thing blew up mm-hmm and Starman insists that they find a way to immediately follow the Eclipsos to the moon. He claims you know, he has that experience fighting Eclipso in the recent past. And uh, you, know, you, Chris, may have something more to say about this some future date, past date. I probably will. Probably however, will, yes. <laughs> however this works out time-wise. <laughs> uh, Starman wants to storm Eclipso's palace. He says it's the only place that he's vulnerable. And Vril docks wants to take a more measured approach and somehow puts out a call to all of Earth's heroes that have ever had dealings with Eclipso in the past for a little powwow. He tells Starman that he'll have a chance to address the troops then. What Doc doesn't know, what none of the heroes know, is that Eclipso is privy to their every move. Starman was Mm -hmm. one of the first handful of heroes taken by Eclipso early on in the event. He's used Starman's shape-shifting ability to remain undetected. He got rid of the bad hairdo (laughs) and the half-blue face that usually goes with an Eclipso possession. And Starman, I think he kind of popped up here and there throughout the annuals, claiming to be the the Eclipso expert. Mm -hmm. And that's not a lie. There's no greater authority on Eclipso than creative face himself yeah (laughs) you got it (laughs) and he's just dying to lead the remaining heroes into uh, a big trap Mm -hmm. Uh, up on the moon Eclipso Prime can't wait to play with his new toys he wants to try absorbing the actual mass of each body that he's taken thinking that he'll absorb the powers as well so he tries it out and uh, I actually like the sequence He, he reaches out to the body of Deathstroke and then the panels shift to reaction shots of the other <laughs> of Eclipso Maxima, Eclipso Green Lantern, Eclipso Hawkwoman, and accompanied by this gross like squelching sound. So yeah, we don't get to see the absorption like the details of it, but it's I think it's really effective effective layout, and creepy in what you don't see. Absolutely, and this is a new power for him, right? Yeah, this or is, is this the first time he's tried this? This is the first time that he's tried it. Yeah, mm. so the sort of the beginning of event this i think he sort of it was a self-discovery we felt he, he found out that he could take over other beings besides bruce gordon and now he's kind of pushing it pushing it um you're reading those sound effects you see the those interested expressions on the watching faces and eclipso feels the strength the speed and reflexes of deathstroke coursing through him and he asks who's next Back on Earth, the heroes gather. I guess the closest place available to host such a gathering on such short notice was Las Vegas, which Docs calls an idiotic city. <laughs> <laughs> and he and Hawkman, uh, they bicker a little back and forth. And I always thought this was an odd leadership team for Earth's heroes at this point. You know, just yes, discounting Docs's disposition, just these two characters <laughs> in particular. You know, there's no Batman. I don't nope. have any of the Batman annual tie-ins, so I don't know what he has going on. Mm. Um, there's no Superman, at least at this point. Not yet. And uh, not even a Captain Atom. <laughs> no. Yeah. So, uh, you know, Vril Dox, to this point, has been kind of doing his own thing in Legion and hadn't really interacted with Earth very much after the invasion. And Hawkman, at least at 
this time in his own title, Hawkworld, he was still, you know, contemporary issues of this, he was still kind of like the new kid on the block and hadn't really had the opportunity to earn the respect of the hero community yet. But here he is, co-commander and chief of Earth's forces. <laughs> sure. Um, and I love, I just have to say, I love those, that red and gold Hawk costume. I'm not sure if it has many fans uh, out there, but this is the first time that I saw it, and I just, I love it. <laughs> it's it's one of those, like, odd combinations that just, it, like, kind of works in its gaudiness. <laughs> like, like, you, like, I think about the... Uh, As many superhero you know, costumes do, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like that, that's the, the old Starman costume, like the, the one that people call, like, the peanut butter and jelly one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I love that one, even though it's it should be, you know, uglier than sin if you were to see it. <laughs> but it just works so well yeah. in its... Uh, yeah. extreme gaudiness i will admit i i prefer when he switched to the red and black but i know what you're talking about definitely <laughs> <laughs> uh, so who shows up in las vegas well we have the the heroes who are at the crater members of legion fire ice Bloodwind, guy gardner uh booster gold from jla mm-hmm. elongated man metamorpho aquaman from justice league europe black canary nightwing wildebeest and eclipso starman uh, they're joined by the Atom, mm-hmm. Bronze Tiger, and Nightshade from the what I think guess was the then recently defunct Suicide Squad. Yes. Uh, Blue Devil shows up out of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I think I'm most surprised by the challenges of the unknown. They dig themselves up from wherever uh, for yep. this meeting. Uh, so yeah, Vril Dox addresses the troops. He says they're basically going to follow Starman's plan. They're going to travel to the moon and hit Eclipso at his <laughs> weakest. Uh, but then he says they're going to kill him. Now the heroes, they divide into two ships. That they, yeah, that there's a capable. bit of a schism, yeah. Yeah, that, that, that are capable, they can travel to the moon in. A Legion cruiser, and I think it's it maybe Maxima's ship. Um, I think that's what that is. I think so. And then there's some there's some telecom chatter between the two ships and uh, you know, the heroes that are aboard Maxima's vessel. They're apart from Metamorpho. <laughs> I love that line. <laughs> <laughs> they're really not into the whole killing Eclipso plan. Um, so I this mission is really not off to the best start. And no, you know, we not. know the reader we know more than than the heroes do that it really is not. It's gonna get worse. <laughs> <laughs> So inside the Moon Palace, looks like Eclipso is playing a big game of uh, Ring Around the Rosies, attempting a big group meld. All the possessed bodies are standing in a ring, but their flesh is it's like clay. Well, one body just kind of flows into the next with little bits of Eclipso's face mingling in with the mess. It's kind of gross. It's very gross, yeah. <laughs> uh, because... He's also on the ship in the guise of Starman, though. Eclipso knows that the heroes are on their way. And he wants to go out and greet them uh, using a body that is kept in reserve. It's the very first hero he eclipsed, Largand, a Daxamite with pretty much all the powers of Superman. Eclipso calls him the most powerful of all the heroes, and he might he might be right. And this is Monel, right? In a former life, because <laughs> I have saw once... him, and I'm like, it's Monel. Why are they calling him something else? He may have once been called Monel. Yes, <laughs> that's a and he'll also be Valor, right? Uh yes, yeah, that'll be in the future. <laughs> <laughs> 
weird time stuff. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, yes, yeah, so pre-crisis, this was longtime legionnaire, legion of superheroes member, and uh, Superman's big brother, Monel. Mm. Uh, but when crisis sort of knocked the Superman out of Legion of Superheroes, sort of had to come up with a different plan for Mon El or Largand is his given name. And uh, so they kind of came up with this whole Val, the Legend of Valor thing, okay. which we may talk about a little bit uh, shortly. Cool. So Eclipso Largand intercepts the ships and he smashes through their propulsion units he's very careful not to damage the life support because he wants to be able to add this group of heroes to his mm. collection as well uh, guy gardner this is during guy gardner's yellow ring phase he's able to guide the ships down for a safe landing uh, right outside eclipso's palace now real doc suggests well he doesn't suggest he orders that everyone listen to starman <laughs> real doc does not suggest he's he's an never kind of guy <laughs> uh, he orders that everyone listen to starman because he's the one that's been there before and starman immediately suggests a full frontal assault through the palace's giant doors there's a little hesitation with this plan ace morgan of the challenge of the unknown he has a point if Eclipso's at his weakest in the palace why did he just retreat there after pretty much having them at his mercy it's a pretty good point <laughs> mm -hmm. and as they get closer the the doors open why would he welcome them in yeah that's that's <laughs> creepy <laughs> starman is insistent he insists that they storm the front doors saying that since the rest of you have doubts i'll go first i'm willing to sacrifice my life to stop Eclipso. <laughs> And that, I believe, is what they call foreshadowing. <laughs> <laughs> and it's here, I kind of think, that this comic goes from a superhero sci-fi story to a superhero horror story. As the group of heroes follow Starman up the stairs, the large doors to the palace, they open all by themselves. This is creepy. <laughs> I would be out of there. <laughs> 100%. But they're, they're superheroes, so... They proceed. Starman enters first and yells Eclipso's name, which echoes throughout the, the palace. And now, at this point, there's really no further need for pretense. And so Starman just reveals himself to be ooh, Eclipso. The heroes have been duped. And the expressions on their face are <laughs> priceless. Yeah. Especially Elongated Man. Oh, yeah. yeah and someone like him... Bart Sears can have a little fun with a shocked expression. Uh, and this betrayal, of course, angers the heroes. And in Eclipso's palace, the tiniest grievance can be fanned into an uncontrollable rage. And that's all it takes for Eclipso to possess the whole lot all at once. And, you know, things at this point are pretty bleak. You know, has Eclipso just won? <laughs> <laughs> that's it. Game over. That's it. Done deal. <laughs> Uh, he's still working on integrating the bodies of that first group of heroes, though, that he transported to the moon. And uh, It's you know, even grosser than it was before. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and after, if he accomplishes this, he plans on you know, busting his prison, and with all the powers of Earth's superheroes, he just wants to wipe out the planet. But uh, he's a, you know, at, the, I, at this point we consider him a great villain, and great villains, they, they monologue. 
<laughs> and Eclipso says that there's just something unsatisfying about something's missing from this victory. His longtime foe, his alter ego, former alter ego, Bruce Gordon, he's not here among the possessed. Uh, but he does have Gordon's wife, Mona. She, somewhere along the line, uh, got possessed. Yeah, she was in the crater. Yes, that's yes, she was in the crater. So, um, and it's so he plans on getting some satisfaction out of killing her outright right here. And so to do that, first he releases her from possession. And Mona just awakening from this bad dream. She has no <laughs> idea where she is. And a big gloopy eclipse gets right in her face. And this is a panel that's actually hard for me to look at. Some part of Eclipso. The, like, the slurp one? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Some part of Eclipso. You don't know what it is. Reaches out and grabs her head right between the eyes. And then his tongue reaches out and with a... <laughs> goes up into her nostril as he like threatens serpentine her. Serpentine seven times. Ugh. Telling her that, you know, Bruce Gordon has abandoned her to him. And, uh, you know, this is, I think, things at their bleakest, but... Just it's then. always darkest before the dawn. Oh, yes. And here it comes. <laughs> Flash! One of the palace portals explodes in solar energy, and the cavalry has arrived. It's a group led by Bruce Gordon, Speak of the Devil, gathered in secret by Gordon throughout the annuals, people with either solar powers like Xena Moonstruck, who is a member of Legion, uh, Dr. Light from Justice League Europe, but also scientists with solar technology experience, people, people like Dr. Hamilton and Lex Luthor from mm -hmm. Metropolis, Doc Magnus of Metal Men fame, Flash's friend, Chunk. Just a runk. Just a runk. And uh, Blue Beetle. And the Blue Beetle. Mm -hmm. uh, plus, the Green Lantern Kilowog is there. And that's, I'm assuming, how the group got to the moon. Uh, and they are accompanied by Superman, who had recently been freed from Clipso's possession. So that's a literal ray of sunshine to close out the first half of the story. Mm -hmm. um, so do you have any general thoughts about uh, the goings-on so far? Anything you this is a, it, it's, <laughs> you know, when I, when I, I read this a couple times this week uh, yeah. to prepare, and uh, I'm finding I'm enjoying it a lot more now. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> the first couple times. Oh, good. Um <laughs> I, th I think uh, I think you're helping me fill in a lot of the context here because uh, there are some of these these heroes that I'm not terribly familiar with. Oh, cool! So uh, you're filling in a, a good amount of context for me here. Awesome! And uh, this is a it's just such a well put together. I mean, it, it, maybe it maybe it's a little bit bloated for covering every single annual of the summer, but uh, right. <laughs> it's just uh, it's just so well crafted here. It's a uh, and you actually feel like something that like things are coming together right now. Yeah, I think that's uh, something that that kind of having but just a format, we don't get that anymore. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> but having the format where the you know the story occurs in annuals, not in a monthly title crossover where writers might have to like add subplot and things like that, where mm -hmm. just the annual completely devoted to one event. Um, it's just like cover to cover action. I think. I think that's sort Certainly. of a good format for a big event like this. Absolutely. Uh, what do you think about Bart Sears? Do you like Bart Sears? Uh, 
I kind of go hot and cold with him. I I like the way he draws some characters, like a like like a you know elongated man. I like how he can make him all gummy and meaty and just yep. you know really expressive. Uh, uh, I also think he does a great metamorpho. I, I like his I love his Eclipso. His Eclipso is fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Uh, then I look at some of the women, <laughs> and uh, I'm not the biggest fan of the way he draws women. Yeah, I've heard and, that. I've heard that criticism before. It's because it, he he draws. You know, I don't know how else to say, but he draws very meaty faces. Yeah. Like giant chins, uh, like giant split chins on just about everybody. Yeah. And. Uh, I really I don't like the way he draws Superman as being just so massive, mm-hmm. which is odd because I, I loved it when Ed McGuinness did it, uh, yeah, <laughs> but right, I right. but I don't I don't dig it here. Huh. Yeah, I think that the, he he gives women I think masculine faces and just seems yeah, like I, an, an odd fit. I think back to the way he drew uh, Power Girl during the early Justice League Europe, and it's like, ugh. Right. <laughs> yeah, I do. I I do like his work on on Justice League Europe. Uh, I, I see what you're, I see what you mean about Power Girl, uh, but characters you mentioned like Elongated Man, Metamorpho. Oh yeah. He is. He draws like the definitive Metamorpho for me. Just. I think so. Yeah. My where I came into comics and whatnot. Uh, no disrespect to Ramona Freyden. <laughs> um, <laughs> and Captain Adam. You know the. Bart Sears draws the definitive Captain Adam for me based on his work on, on Justice League. I could see that. Sure, sure. Um, and I think he has a good cast here. Like, this is not, this event is big. It's not Crisis on Infinite Earths big. Uh, I think it's a manageable cast for someone like Bart Sears who had experience drawing you know, a team book. Sure. Um, I don't, I always uh, balk when I see multiple inkers. <laughs> In a, in a credit <laughs> box. <laughs> um, I don't really know who did what. I don't have enough knowledge of these these guys' work to, to know, to point out who did what. But I would say it's the first half It's not terribly of the book, jarring between them. What's that? It's not terribly jarring between them, though. Uh, I, the first half of the book, I would say no, like up to this point. Mm. And I don't, I don't know if that's the work of one inker. Could be. But I think later on, uh, it gets a little bit inconsistent i think to me it just wasn't as smooth a read it gets art wise um but we'll 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 cross that bridge shortly Age Mystery Box, Grown-Ass Geeks, the regularly scheduled programming. These shows, and others to come, can all be found on the Pop Culture Palace Presents podcast, the official podcast for the Pop Culture Palace website. Find it on Podium, iTunes, and thepopculturepalace.com starting June 2017. second half uh, gordon and his team storm the palace they start blasting eclipsos with solar weapons these are like backpack units like kind of like ghostbusters i don't know what those units those ghostbusters things were called the proton packs yes. proton packs yeah <laughs> that's that's what these remind me of 
but they're just attached to a flashlight. Yeah, <laughs> a very bright flashlight. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so a solar blast frees each possessed individual. It hits, and so Gordon just clears a path right to his wife, Mona. Superman, he wants a shot at the big Eclipso blob. It's made up of integrated heroes, but Eclipso has a surprise for him. He produces from the depths of the blob Largand just tackles Superman and forces him out of the palace right onto the surface of the moon. And they have a big dust-up. This is like a battle of titans. Eclipso in a Superman-like body Mm -hmm. versus the Man of Steel himself. And there's this great two-page spread. Superman readying for Eclipso's advance, thinking to himself, come on, Eclipso, do your worst. As a leaping Largand, Eclipso Largand, attacks thinking... Don't hold anything back, Superman. Give me your best. <laughs> I love that little bit of contrasting dialogue there. Absolutely. Uh, back in the palace, and over the next couple of pages, the Eclipso Revenge Squad here frees heroes from Eclipso's control one at a time. Um, and I think it's kind of here where the creative team starts to play musical inkers. I think you're right. It gets a little wonky. It's not bad. Uh, it's just not consistent. No, we go from very, very heavy hash lines to an almost animated style just yeah, on, on the exactly, same two yeah. pages. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you just don't know where you're going to get page to page <laughs> during the sequence, mm-hmm. it seems like. But uh, outside, Superman's knockdown drag out with Largan continues, and things kind of look like they're going Largan's way. But Soups, he, he digs down deep, grabs Largan's arm, and swings it like a hammer smashing his head into the surface of the moon just knocking him out and uh superman brings largan back into the palace to this to to find everyone freed largan himself is just released by eclipso free and clear uh but the villain he's not done yet he's he's one with his palace and suddenly the the walls come alive and not only the walls but the floors and the ceilings this sequence, I like this part a lot. Yeah, this this is kind of it features like some just out of nowhere inex- inexplicable Keith Giffen art. Just him, yes, pencils yes. and ink. <laughs> it's only two pages, uh, but it really stands out, doesn't it? It sure does. And I've always like wondered why. You know, what was the reason for this? Was it a deadline thing? Um, I don't know if Bart Sears's pencils they were produced but then like replaced. Yeah, because the, the the surreality of this is is great. It's a uh, right. It's horrific. It's yeah. Um, it's perfect for it, Giffen. It's, it's very Giffen. Yes. Very abstract. You know, this is him mm-hmm. at his most abstract. Certainly. Yeah, it's kind of perfect for like eclipso possessed architecture. That's like playing grabsies with ice and Wonder Woman and <laughs> you know. But at the climactic part of the narrative. You know, it's almost like takes me out of the story when I have to ask questions like that. You know, yes. It's so well done, but it's like, why? It's strange. And it, it's it's such a it's such a claustrophobic couple of pages, too. Oh, yeah. Like yeah. you really feel that that everything is closing in on them. And that's yeah, that's great. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. So everyone starts to make their way toward the palace's entrance, fighting Eclipso architecture along the way. Uh, Bruce Gordon, he kind of hangs back setting up something that looks suspiciously like a bomb. Hmm. 
saying he wants to leave something for Eclipso to remember them by. And all the while, Eclipso is whispering threats to him. And Gordon's surprised by the sudden appearance of Starman, and you know, at first he's a little hesitant to accept he is who he says he is, considering what had happened. <laughs> yeah, the betrayal, the sure. The betrayal. <laughs> but Starman, he convinces Gordon by, you know, he offers to run interference while, you know, you do your thing and the others can escape. So Hal Jordan, Kilowog, and Guy Gardner, they fly everyone out of the palace in big ring bubbles. And uh, just in the nick of time, because I was behind them, they hear a big booming voice saying, let's get this straight. Nobody goes home alive. And they turn and see a giant Eclipso. I think what's happened is he's taken on the mass of his own palace. And, Probably, right? Yeah. And this is like, this is his new look, which would be, you know, this is how he would look going forward for a couple of years. There's no more purple and black supervillain suit. Now he's got the that distinctive cowl he wears, but it's got a like a bare chest, yeah. bare chest, and he's got a it's do-it-yourself stitched together hat. <laughs> yeah, he's <laughs> got the one like stitch going up it. Yeah. it's a good look. It's a good yeah. look. And yeah, he's he's going. He's showing a lot more skin. <laughs> <laughs> Inside Eclipso's huge body, all the commotion has kind of made it difficult for Bruce Gordon to arm his bomb. But Starman says he, he knows how to buy some time. And just as Eclipso aims the, his huge black diamond at the heroes floating in bubbles nearby, Starman flies into action. You know, he feels responsible for not having finished off Eclipso when they last met. He thinks to himself that back then he wasn't prepared to make the ultimate sacrifice. But now, you know, it's, a, it's a different story. Now he's ready. Now he's ready. And this inner dialogue, it kind of takes me back to Crisis on Infinite Earth number eight, Barry Allen's situation in the antimatter universe. The way he. Yeah, kinda, I think there's a parallel for sure. Yeah. It's the, the way he kind of talked himself through what he knew he had to do to save, in Barry's case, the universe. Starman's kind of doing the same thing here, knowing what he needs to do to save the Earth from Eclipso. Uh, but still, he has, he's unsure. You know, whether he has enough to do it. And I think uh, this is, sadly, I think this is Starman's finest moment as a hero. Mm -hmm. He flies Definitely. up. You know, he flies up to Eclipso's midsection, gathers all of his energy, and then lets loose, blowing up the huge Eclipso who screams, No, you can't be willing to sacrifice yet. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> so the heroes, they're looking on, they're stunned. As remnants of Eclipso's palace collapse into the giant crater, and Superman, who's been cradling the till now unconscious Largan, can he can see what's happened. Starman has given his life to to stop Eclipso. Inside the wreckage of the palace, Bruce Gordon is somehow still alive, <laughs> <laughs> and he just manages to arm his bomb when Eclipso, a much smaller Eclipso. Again, rears his ugly head. This guy just will not go away. And this is another scene which takes me back to the crisis. This time at the end, the last issue with the anti-monitor, the way he kept coming back. Mm -hmm. after the heroes thought they put him away, you know, put him down several times. Eclipso attacks Gordon saying, this reminds me of the anti-monitor telling Superman at the end of the crisis, basically, 
you know, I'm okay dying as long as you die with me. Mm-hmm. As long as you don't survive, I'm okay dying. Yep. <laughs> for sure. Largand, he having been possessed for so long, I think, he still shares a like a mental bond with Eclipso. And he can sense this little exchange happening in what was left of the palace. He leaps out of Superman's arms and speeds toward Eclipso, who's just pummeling Gordon, saying he'll never be beat by a nothing like you. All the while, though, Gordon's bomb ticks, tick, tick. Largand arrives just in time for Eclipso to say, you're too late, but then, boop. (laughs) (laughs) A full-page silent explosion of, of solar energy. Out of which flies... Small at first, but getting closer and closer in the form of Largand holding Bruce Gordon. Where Bruce's little oxygen mask came from, I have no idea. Uh, yeah, we'll allow it. We'll allow it. <laughs> They're both alive. Uh, Eclipso, though, we don't know. But Largand can't hear Eclipso's thoughts anymore in his head. Mm-hmm. Uh, so everyone gets back in their ships. And how... Their propulsion units have been fixed. Anyone's guess will allow it. We'll allow it. <laughs> uh, there, were, there were a few super geniuses in the crowd there, so we'll assume that they are working on the ships <laughs> while everything else is going down. Uh, Vril docks. Another another precious Vril moment. He curtly ref- <laughs> <laughs> he refuses to, uh, on behalf of Legion, on. to attend yeah. any service for Starman. And uh, Blue Beetle hits immediately hits on Maxima, so these are two signs that it kind of, everyone's getting back to normal. Mm-hmm. Uh, another couple of exchanges aboard the, the Earthbound ship uh, serve as the, the first of two epilogues here. Superman checks in with Largand, calling what the, the young hero did an act of valor. Huh. And we learn that uh, Lex Luthor has agreed to treat Lar at his own private facil- facility. Nice how Superman kind of slipped that in there, <laughs> giving Largand his superhero name. And this sets up the spin-off series, Largand's own solo series, Valor. Mm-hmm. Uh, but through the, the magic of comics and time travel, Largand has he's actually been going by the name Valor for about a year over in Legion of Superheroes. Okay. Which was you know, set a thousand years in the future. At the other end of the ship, a bedridden... Bruce Gordon confers with his wife Mona and father-in-law, who'd been along as part of Gordon's secret team there. They express their doubts about seeing the last of Eclipso. In fact, Gordon can admit that all they've really accomplished so far is wiping Eclipso off the face of the moon. Yeah. The Earth? uh, (laughs) That's a different story. And on the last page, final epilogue, the artwork zooms in on a black diamond on the moon's surface, accompanied by a Winston Churchill quote. This is not the end. This is not even the beginning of the end, but it is perhaps the end of the beginning. And a, a new look Eclipso at the bottom of the page promises to see you soon in Eclipso number one. So that's it. Uh, what do you think of this as a, as a final chapter of the of the series? I was hoping for something a little more final. Mm. Uh, um, when I when I read this. Uh, it's been years since I've read this before this week, and uh, when I read it, <laughs> I just did. You know, the wind just got a kind of goes out of your sails. It's like, oh well, every, everything's gonna be <laughs> just the way it was. <laughs> it, we're just we're just short a star man. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, that's a, that's a good point. 
that's, but, that's a good point. It's definitely like, a, a, an ad for two, for the next Eclipso series. Two and, new series, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's interesting. I think, uh, you know, as a final issue, I think it's like appropriately epic, you know, with mm. the, kind of the full cast of the annuals basically showing up here. Um, you know, you get your big evil threat. You get a, a sacrifice of a hero and Starman, he really goes out in style. It's a great superhero death. Um, I really yeah, feel was, for the guy. <laughs> yeah, I was a big fan of the action. It's just the the, the last page, just like. Eh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's definitely sort of uh, turning. It's trying to sell you. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But uh, just one more thing about Starman. I I I feel like this was a good send off for him. Mm. Um, and I want to say that he wasn't given a chance in his own series. Uh, but just thinking about it now, it, back then to me that seemed it seemed like he was cut off. But his series ran forty issues. Yeah, forty like now these days, <laughs> that's a long running title. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you might as well call it like Action Comics or Detective Comics forty <laughs> issues. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, just about this event's legacy. Um, I think just immediately, I I, I think I want to call it a success for DC, you know, it did get two spin-off titles out of it. I remember that it was a memorable to me, the house ad that said uh, one hit series becomes two and it had, you know, it was advertising Valor and uh, the new Eclipso series in one ad although mm-hmm. I don't know I'm not sure of either one's hit status <laughs> <laughs> going forward um but I think they were emboldened to try out these two new series based on the success of the of the event. Sure, and, uh, sure. I think another telltale sign is that they, you know, this Eclipso followed Armageddon 2001, which had a very similar format, and they tried it out the following year one more time with uh, with Bloodlines, you know, running that big event through through the annuals. So. Uh, yeah, I think this this seemed to work for them around this time. It worked for DC Comics. I I, I like you said earlier. I like the uh, I like the big storyline going through the annuals because you can, like you said, you could take it or leave it. You know, it's a uh, you could uh, jump all in or you could just pick and choose what you want. It's not going to be interrupting your uh, your regular ongoing. That's true. That's Because um, I even enjoyed it over at Marvel with you know you had like Atlantis attacks and the Evolutionary War and stuff like that that ran through the annuals mm-hmm. so it was uh it didn't interfere with any of the stuff i was reading and of course the annuals were i mean this is two dollars and fifty cents who's gonna pay two dollars and fifty cents for a comic book That's... <laughs> that is crazy <laughs> i know it that's insane i i don't know how they did it mm. but uh but you know you you don't have to jump into this if you can't afford it or if you if you're afraid you're gonna miss something then you can or that's true, I, yeah. I i like the format and uh and, and I wouldn't mind them doing something like this now. Yeah, but, uh, that's true. But I don't think that's ever going to happen. No. Um, I think just reading the uh, the few clips of annuals in preparation for this that I did, uh, there do seem to be a couple of chapters, I think, that stand out as sort of more essential mm-hmm. to, the, to the story. I haven't read any of the Batman, the Batman ones, like I said. Uh, so I don't I have no idea what happens, but I didn't, that did not ruin my enjoyment of the the overall arc 
Um, and I don't know if you read the Adventures of Superman one that directly leads into this. Because um, that's where that last, the last the last jewel comes from, right? The last diamond? Uh, that is where the, the group of heroes that you see kind of gathered at the beginning of this issue. like That's that, where it ended off. Yeah, they, they, they are assembled in... Uh, in I guess beginning in the Legion annual and then into that Adventures of Superman, I would say that's that would be essential if they were ever going to trade this. <laughs> uh, I think the Adventures of Superman annual would be a would be a must, and then probably the one uh, I think it's another Superman one where Starman gets eclipsed uh, toward the beginning of the event. Uh, the changes to the Eclipso character, I think uh, I think I liked what they did with him, sort of blowing him up into this. DC universe level threat. <laughs> mm. uh, I think it made him a more versatile character rather than just being the standard supervillain that would fight, you know, a team or one single hero. I think it kind of made him more, it let him sort of bridge the gap between superheroics and the supernatural. Um, I know, I think he was the villain in the Phantom Stranger. Miniseries, he was kind of yeah, in the, in the he, 80s the mcnola one yeah uh i didn't i don't have much experience with that i don't know if that was an early attempt to sort of make him uh, a more supernatural character uh, but i think it, it this was i think a successful way to do it he was much more supernatural during that than he, he was he was less cartoon villain and more more horror villain okay All in right. the uh, phantom stranger it was a that's a that's a good little run too it's a i should check that out yeah, it's a good one. The uh, first few issues of the Eclipso solo title that follows up on this, it was done by pretty much the same creative team. You had Giffen, uh, Robert Lauren Fleming, Bart Sears, and uh, Inker Ray Crissing. They really try to establish that as a dark book. It's really violent. I don't know if you've read it. It's shocking. <laughs> that I have no in, that, that I have no uh, experience in. Huh. I have not read a single issue of that. Um there were some letters actually in those early issues suggesting that the book move over to Vertigo. Oh wow! Yeah, but I I don't I don't think that really would have been appropriate. This is it was definitely a mainstream DC comic. Um, mm-hmm. They try to push the boundaries a bit. Uh, and Bart, unfortunately, Bart Sears he left after just a couple of issues, and then Giffen bailed. Uh, the artwork just after that became very inconsistent, even bad. I would say mm. <laughs> uh, it only lasted about a year and a half, uh, but the changes to the character's status quo, I think that lasted far beyond that. And, you know, sure. Eclipse. So he kind of remained a DC universe level threat for, for a few years. Um, so I guess you could say for this event, at least that part of the mission sales aside, <laughs> his mm. mission accomplished uh, the valor title. Um, the other title that spun out of this was, also written by Robert Lauren Fleming for about a year. Artwork by uh, Mark Bright. It's been a long time since I read those. Uh, I do love the character. Uh, I think what had done, what had been done with him just previously, the development of that, the legend of Valor, where he became one of the most important heroes in the galaxy mm-hmm. post-crisis. And this is where... Um, it was revealed that, you know, in the absence of Superman, the Legion needed an inspiration. And so the former Mon-El was chosen. Uh, but they gave him something interesting to do. I think it just added exponentially to his interest. He was 
given the task of in the 20th century of seeding the worlds with survivors from the dominators experiments uh, he would he actually seeded the worlds that would become the united planets wow so okay he became like a mythic a mythic figure almost in yeah the, in the 30th century revered well <laughs> how about that yeah um but his solo title this it was like valor the early years <laughs> it was pretty standard superhero sci-fi stuff uh, i really started to love the title when mark wade took over writing and colleen doran did the illustration Okay. yeah it began tying in a little more closely with legion of superheroes before right before it got swallowed up by zero hour Zero hour, yeah. yeah but there's a storyline uh, doa such a good beautiful comic about a young man kind of struggling with his destiny as these sort of time issues come into play um is valor ready to do the task perform the task he was destined for and then spend knowingly a thousand years waiting a thousand years to to fulfill his destiny in in the 30th century with the legion Wow. yeah uh, i definitely suggest if you if you find those uh, that, that's a good read I definitely need to broaden my Legion horizons. <laughs> That's that's a fact. it can be daunting <laughs> it can be daunting definitely oh, you're not kidding. uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh so just about the event in general i just kind of want to you know it's not crisis in infinite earths clips of the darkness within uh it's not even invasion which you know that's i think that was very good dc 1 million is another one i like a lot uh, but i think i'd put eclipso up there in, in top five dc events for me I think I'm right there with you. It's uh, it's nice and it's nice and well paced. It's uh, there is a build, there is a payoff. If they left that last page off, I I might move it up a bit, but uh, it uh, it delivers on everything it it set out to do. And uh, I I do like I I do like you mentioning that uh, this did make Eclipso uh, you know a bigger player in the DC universe because. This is where I came into DC, and and to me he was always a huge deal because of this. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right yeah And then when I when I see like his earlier stuff, it's like, oh, this guy <laughs> yeah, it's like that's okay. <laughs> so that, that was uh, you know doing it in reverse is kind of funny, but uh, I I do like that they you know they gave him the push. They're uh, they're making them a main eventer here. right right awesome so uh i think that might uh do it for coverage of this issue any final thoughts on uh, maybe participating in this event <laughs> Uh, you know, it's 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 cool because I, you know, like you said, I do, I, I go all over the DC, uh, you know, time stream with the blog, and uh, it's nice to actually, you know, have a direction. <laughs> and uh, when we were talking about doing Eclipso, it's like, hey, you know, I haven't done any Eclipso yet, Mm -hmm. right so uh, it was a, a great opportunity for me to do that, and uh, and I and I like I like these. these little, you know, community team-ups because uh, blogging and uh, podcasting can be a very lonely endeavor <laughs> yeah where, no i agree you know, <laughs> where it's like you're, you're writing and you're hoping maybe a couple people might read it eventually uh, or you're talking into a microphone and you're hoping that maybe someone will listen to it. Yeah. Right. And, uh, you know, the, 
the synergy of the community is uh, is wonderful. And it is, uh, it is awesome. And uh, it's great. It's a bunch of great people, uh, and it's it's a lot of fun to take part in something like this. And I, and I really want to thank you for including me. Awesome. I'm so happy to have you. Um, I cannot imagine anyone listening to this uh, that wouldn't know where to find you. But uh, well, who knows? <laughs> <laughs> where can they people listening find you? <laughs> Let's see. Uh, I'm the co-host of uh, the Cosmic Treadmill podcast. Uh, we do two podcasts over there. Uh, the Cosmic Treadmill is weekly, uh, every Sunday. Uh, you can get that at chrisandreggie.podbean.com. We also do uh, Weird Comics History, which is more sporadic because it's very, very heavy on research. <laughs> um, we are uh, currently re-uploading a lot of our older episodes that were on a different feed. So. Uh, mm. It might look like we're making new ones, uh, and eventually we will be. We're, <laughs> we're be actually, new to somebody. Yeah, <laughs> yes, they will be new to you if you haven't heard them before. Uh, we do have a new one hitting uh, hitting this month, so that uh, that should be there. Awesome. And uh, for the blog, it's uh, chrisisoninfiniteearths.com. I got to get used to say, not saying the blog spot. Uh. Uh, <laughs> so it's a. Uh, Chris is on infiniteearths.com, and that's uh, every day uh, I'm doing a new, uh, not a new, but a different DC comic review, discussion. I'm not exactly sure what I'd call it, if it's a review or discussion or just a uh, uh, typing words. That, <laughs> that is always a fun read, though. And, Thank uh, you. Thank yeah. you so much. We always can count on, 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 a, on a daily post for, for entertainment. And uh, to say, yeah, now I gotta buy that issue. <laughs> Blessing and a curse, your blog, I'll say. Yes, for for everyone involved. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Chris. This was fun. Thank you so much. All right. As always, I'll be putting images from this issue up on the show's blog, I'm the gun.blogspot.com. So please check those out. There you will find some contact info, email. Twitter, where I can often be found lurking should you want to talk more Eclipso. In fact, you can follow along with Eclipso, the Darkness Within coverage on Twitter by using the hashtag EclipsoTDW25. And our loose affiliation is reviving the Best Event Ever label that we used for last year's coverage of Bloodlines. Plus, I'll have some links on the blog to that other great Eclipso content, including posts and episodes from the likes of Professor Allen of the Relatively Geeky Podcast Network, Clinton Robison of the Coffee and Comics Podcast, Karen Williams of the Between the Pages Sweets blog. She'll be writing a feature or features for the Retroist blog. Joe Crawford of the Tumblr for the Non-Discerning Reader. Al Sedano will be contributing episodes on his Resurrections and Adam Warlock Thanos podcast, and also an episode of the Pop Culture Palace podcast. Diablo Frank will have some Wonder Woman Eclipso coverage on Rolled Spine's Diana Prince Wonder Woman feed, and on his DC Bloodline show. And uh, of course, another big thank you to Chris Sheehan. We'll be contributing posts on his Chris's on Infinite Earths blog and also an episode co-hosted with Reggie of the Cosmic Treadmill podcast. Okay, thanks for listening to this episode. Until next time, see you on the dark side of the moon. Mm-hmm.